0: You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. As always, I'm your host, Thomas Alomes. Great to have you joining us this week. On today's show, we have the second of many sessions recorded at the inaugural Sports Innovation Summit, held just last month in Nashville, Tennessee, at Neeson Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans. The summit is a forum for exploring the most pressing issues facing the sports industry today. From the latest technological advancements, to new ways to engage fans and drive revenue. As you'll hear, the summit covers a wide range of topics with a focus on meaningful and actionable insights. The summit is a joint venture between the team here at SDWS and our friends at, at Sports SportsTech. If you're a Southern Hemisphere-based listener, uh, then we encourage you to attend the Australia sports Tech Conference. This year's edition is happening on Thursday, August 31st in Brisbane, Queensland, and it's the most respected sports technology industry event in the region. Agenda tickets and more information is available at stws.co. Now over to our guests on emerging technologies in sports.
2: I wanted to start this conversation around uh, two guys that are building brands or building companies that are focused on brands, creators, leagues, um, and kind of give a broader kind of landscape around what that looks like. Uh, I guess one will start with general introductions, if you can kind of share your, like, your background, your educational journey, your professional journey, and that will kind of lay, lay the foundation for uh, the conversation, and then we'll kind of jump into some more specific questions.
0: Uh, uh, hi, I'm Jared Kleinstein. Uh, I am the CEO and founder of Gondola and uh, Fresh Tape Media, two separate companies that I'll tell you a little bit about. Um, so I went to school at WashU with Steffi over there, uh top-notch university um where i had a sports tv show i had done an internship at fox sports so the obvious path was where i went to real estate tech uh (laughs) and worked in new york for a company called street easy uh, until we got acquired by zillow and then um while i was there i um i was young and uh silly so in 2011 i don't know if anybody's a football fan was into 2011, Denver Broncos, when Tim Tebow was a thing. Um, Anybody remember Tebowing? Yeah. Um, For better or worse, that was me. Uh, I was at a bar, and uh, I told my friends we should take a picture doing the Tebow, and they didn't know what that meant. So I said, you know, know, the thing he was just doing on the screen. So then when I got home, um, I said, I'm going to make this a thing. (laughs) Bought the domain for $10 and told all my friends we should make it the new planking. And then uh, within three days, I was on CNN and all the uh, major news networks. And now I get to tell that to people like y'all. Uh, uh, and then somehow, because of that experience, um, when I applied to work at Twitter in 2014, uh, they said, what would you like to focus on? Uh, at The Vine team I was doing partnerships for Vine, for those of you who remember when Vine was a thing. Uh, they said, what would you like to do? I said, sports. And they said, perfect. Ginger doesn't want to do sports. You can do sports. Uh, And you did the T-bowing thing, so you're fine. So that's how I got the job as head of sports at Vine. Uh, did that for a few years until we shut down and then uh, started a creative production company called Fresh Tape Media in 2017. Um, Fresh Tape does creative uh, content production uh, for all the major sports leagues, uh, teams, media companies around the country and world. Uh, And then we built an internal tool called Fresh Tape Admin to track our own work. And that, uh, after using that for a few years, realized this is a lot bigger than an internal tool. We should expand it. And called it Gondola. And now that's what we're doing.
3: Well, morning, everybody. Um, Brian Michael Cooper. I usually go by Brian Michael because Brian Cooper, believe it or not, is one of the most common names uh, you've ever seen. If you Google it, there's about 400 people named that. There's a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays named Brian Cooper. I actually played in a high school football game against an individual named Brian Cooper, which completely threw off the uh, play-by-play guy. He had to refer to us by our middle names. So So anyway, so I go by Brian Michael. Um, uh, But good morning. I am... um, um, I've been a, a lawyer and executive uh, in the sports space for about 25 years. Um, I went to school at Cornell University. I, I played two years of football there and I would put played in parentheses in uh, quotes um, because uh, back then when they had dual numbers, uh, I got one and my parents asked me about that. And they said, well, why did you get a number 18 and the person sitting up front in the, uh, photo got 18 I said because I will never play and that's the whole you know the, the whole idea nowadays they've got offense and defense and guys were double numbers but back then it was a big sign that you weren't going to play um Ultimately, I ended up at the, the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. I did a policy analysis exercise on midnight basketball for the National Basketball Association. I then went to Columbia Law School and uh, ultimately knew that uh, I wanted to go into sports, and the sports firm in New York was called Proskauer Rose. And so I worked at Proskauer for almost three years. Uh, then got had the wild idea of representing players uh, instead of representing leagues. Um, I, at at Proskauer, I represented the NBA, NHL, ATP Tour, and worked long time on Major League Soccer. Um, If you maybe remember the Frazier case, it was a huge uh, antitrust case Uh, back in the late 90s. I was part of that. I was a baby lawyer back then. So I wasn't lead counsel, but I was the guy kind of holding up the the, uh, the charts and whatever needed to be done as a a young associate. Um, But represented players, moved to Houston, Texas, uh, moved into more of a corporate uh, 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 representation, started representing brands, uh, a friend of mine, uh, maybe three or four years down the line, said, hey, there's an NBA G League team looking for, a, at this point, an NBA D League team looking for a team president. Um, I know this is something you've kind of wanted to go back over on the management side of the fence. Is this something you want to do? I said, yeah. And uh, about a month later, I was president of the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers of the NBA G League, um, D League, now G League, uh, at the time. Um, we uh, did the first hybrid deal with the Houston Rockets. Um, and since then, the, the franchise has been, it's been fantastic. We won four titles in 13 years, and I will use the colloquial we, because I still was a part of the team even after I left as president. Um, I then went to Rice University and was deputy AD, um, and then to Dish Network as director of, of sports programming. Went back into legal practice as uh, as a partner at uh, Lewis Brisbois, as a uh, director of their leading their sports and entertainment division. Um, I then got another call with, about the new XFL that was happening in 2020 um, and I became president of the uh, Houston Roughnecks. Um, we, again, a lot of work building that league, building that team and league. Um, we had a great run. Um, unfortunately, we were un- at the time we were 5-0, but we could not defeat COVID. Uh, and uh, the league obviously shut down operations and went back to practicing law. Uh, led to sports and entertainment division at Frost, Brown, Todd, a larger firm here, which actually has offices here in Nashville. Uh, and then most recently, I've now become president and, and chief operating officer of the American Flag Football League. I'm um, super excited about the trajectory of the league. The league will kick off in 2024, and I'm um, just you know, happy to happy to to be part of this and happy that uh, Nashville is going to be one of our inaugural markets um, as well. So we're in Boston, Nashville, Las Vegas, and Dallas at this point. So,
2: anyway yeah sorry uh, impressive resume Apolog- for both of these gentlemen <laughs> no apologies necessary uh i'll start off the first question that i'll kind of i guess one we start with jared but kind of build on what we la- led with you're both builders of companies and leagues that are focused on the success of communities whether it's the creator uh space or loyal fan bases or leagues through programming and media what's the personal driver for you in being innovative in that in that focus and wanting to make that po- focus
0: of engagement on community Um, I think a lot of it is just in my heart, I love humans. I want to connect with people. Uh, One of the coolest things about being in this room and being next door is seeing people that I know it's called networking, but it feels like reunions with friends. Um, So I have like a weird mentality that's sort of old school of like if your office feels like home, your team feels like family and your clients feel like friends, then everything is just more fun Um, so gathering community is not like just a business practice it's something that feels like a part of my being and makes me uh, like it brings me a lot of joy Um, and then just being able to see people around you grow and like improve themselves there was I saw Nick Conklin over there who's um, runs creative here for creative video for the Titans and like I've been working with Nick since we were like sitting on the sideline at the ACC championship in 2015, and you know, watching him grow to be a true industry leader is something that I'm really just grateful to be along for the ride. So that's something I'm really proud of.
3: So yeah, I, I, just to piggyback on what Jared said, I think that's right, the connectivity, and particularly in, in sports and in pro sports, um, it's a it's a core component. You know, one of the things I'd always said for both of them, the teams I've led with, was that we have to be innovative. I mean, we have to be uh, indispensable to our communities, and we have to be have that reciprocal relationship with the community and the fans. And innovation allows us to do that. It really is a way for us to facilitate that that engagement and that experience. Uh, because you know, look for most brands, as you guys know, it, it's you get one you get really one shot at it, right? And particularly with with, with nascent sports leagues, with nascent teams, um, and so we have to be innovative. We have to be nimble in order to, to make that happen. And so, you know, my goal always is how do I make sure that I've built, you know, built a product that someone's going to come back and say, hey, you know, win or lose in sports too. And I know that, you know, I'm coaches here that will we'll, we'll probably throw something at me for saying that, but, but for fan engagement, I really want that individual to come back in and feel um, like they, you know, that they, they they have to come back the next week or they have to come back for the next game and in doing that we've got to be able to be um we've got to be able to in- integrate that that innovative strategy and in keeping them there and so uh and that level of connectivity and so if, if we don't have that um we're not going to be we're not going to be at our best and so i think as long as we can do that we're you know that's that, that advances what we're doing
2: is that approach different from what you've seen with the xfl to what you plan to do with the uh,
3: AFL No, not necessarily. I hope that you know the thread always will be that that relationship with the fan. the fan has to come first, and I think what happens sometimes um, when sports leagues are starting, um, I always uh, I always say that the, that the sports league and the team is like the duck on the water right there's the the team and the coach um, is the duck, and the duck is moving smoothly across the water and it, you know it, it, but you don't see what's happening underneath, and so I think part of that is um, in both times when you're building something out, whether it be G League or XFL or, or now the AFFL, you've got to be able to, you know, that, 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 those, that turning underneath is the connectivity, making sure everything is working for, well for the fans. I always joke as well that as a, as a league executive or as a team executive, if my name's in the paper on Sunday after the game, something bad happened, right? Like either like, a, you know, we didn't have enough tickets, you know, tickets weren't sold or, or um, you know, th- there was logistical issues. And so all that has to get done. Um, and it generally is things that you don't necessarily see, but they're all important and have to be done. And so it, 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 it transcends league, sport, um, event. It has to, you know, these are all the things that have to get done.
0: And You said something really great in your first, in your intro. You said "The we won four out of 13, right? <laughs> and you say that, right? The fans say that too. Yes, right? like absolutely. Like I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. And they We should. won an NBA championship. What did I do for that? Like I contributed, on, I yelled. You know, the, but
3: the fan, you know, I look, I, I think that this is it, it's the fan is a core component of the game. They have to be. I've, you guys remember during the pandemic, right? Games were played on television. But they were played in empty stadiums. And, and look, it's it's entertaining to watch that. But the fan is a part of the game. And I think that what's happened sometimes. And this is where leagues sort of get a little bit sideways is they lose sight of that. They, they think, OK, I've put a good product on the field and that's all I need to do. That's not true because, you know, quite frankly, as a consumer, if I'm looking through and I see a, a product with an empty, empty stands, I'm wondering, okay, why couldn't people come out for the live event? And so the fans, I, I look, I love the, I love the characterization of we. I, I think the we is, I mean, I think there's the home field advantage. It's, you know, I know that there's certain, you know, you've seen it as well. There are certain situations where, look, when a team is backed up in the end zone, the crowd is loud. That is a that is a huge you know and there's a and there's a delay of game penalty the fans created that so I would absolutely include that in I think uh, I think they're definitely a, a core component of what we do they have to be
0: and the we also with the creatives like that community outside there uh, think about um, I'm gonna bla- I'm gonna talk about the Nuggets again too no, don't uh, worries, son <laughs> it's a good time to I love Joker
3: that. I love I love that squad
0: so you have the creative designers right they they make a, a design that gets put out on social. It's really important towards engaging with the fans because they can't watch on TV for most of our regular season games because of our Comcast uh, disagreement. Um, our Comcast
3: disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> I I, okay, I mean, hey, own that team, man. It <laughs> yeah, took so, 50 years to get a championship. You, you They're yeah. deserving of it.
0: But these designers, like when they say we won a championship, they were a part of that because they not only delivered the message to the fans, they created the content, they were a part of building the fan base up. So I think we should all talk in wheeze.
2: Yep. You mentioned, I'll go back to you, Jared, the creators that are the professionals. With Twitter, you have millions of users that are also creating content. How do you kind of, yeah, I guess, do you lump them into that creator space
0: or do you kind of differentiate the two? The word creator is a very uh, interesting one in terms of how different people approach it, okay. right? Um, Some people think of a creator, and they think of literally the person out there. Jimmy Mitchell's doing a design in about an hour, and it's going to be, he's literally going to draw custom artwork in front of a crowd. That's beautiful. People think of Logan Paul as a creator, right? And he's uh, not drawing custom things. He's doing crazy stunts, and he's hawking uh, caffeinated drinks. Um, So, which I'll I'll be real. Supposedly they have like 300 milligrams of caffeine. It's not that, it's like coffee. I don't think they're going to get that much trouble for it. Um, So uh, I think that the word creator is something that it's okay that it's broadly defined. Nate, you are a creator uh, if you are publishing content on social channels and people consume it. Um, I think that the creators that are most underserved are the people that are behind the scenes working for teams and leagues Mm -hmm. or in-house at agencies. because you know they're not freelancers that are able to go hawk theirs or promote over promote their stuff because they don't own the content like if you work for uh the national predators you don't really own the assets you're creating you don't own those videos so you can't really easily publish them on all your social channels so those people i think are the most underserved uh, group and that's something that we at gondola really focus on
3: gotcha
2: anything to add Uh, okay
3: uh no, I
2: was, I was no. still kind
3: of, I was, full disclosure, I actually used to represent Prime. So I, I was, when, he, when Jared said that, I was like, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> like, you represented Prime, represented Prime? I did as attorney. Yes, I did. My nephew loves it, so. <laughs> cool. Uh, I wanted to
2: tap on something you just mentioned with Gondola, uh, yeah. that platform. What it enables for the creators, for the sports organizations, for mm-hmm. the brands, and then I'll follow that up with another Question that I'll kind of tee over to Brian. Also, like as a somebody building a new product in this startup space, what was that? What were the challenges and kind of navigation with with building that platform?
0: For sure. So for context, um, Gondola is a product that helps creators take credit for their work and build portfolios and get analytics for it. So I'll pick on somebody. Who's your favorite team in the world? Any club? You picked the
1: wrong bloke.
0: Okay, so if the West Coast Eagles put out uh, a Instagram post and somebody took that photo, somebody bathed the social copy, um, nobody knows that. Nobody knows who was behind that work. If you go to the movies, you can figure out who directed the Avatar movie. You can figure out who the actor was. You can figure out who did VFX. There is no IMDb for social. Uh, so, what we've done is we've built a system for creators to take credit for their work like they would in any other traditional media format um, and also build their portfolios around that. So, uh, it's been really fun some of the challenges we've faced are um it's not three years ago so people aren't just like throwing cash at you for having a great concept uh, which forces us to be nimble we've been bootstrapped we just raised our first pre-seed friends and family so um we're in a fun spot where you know we don't have the pressures of uh, big vcs yet but we also have you know the pressures of needing to be able to run a profitable business so uh i would say that uh it's a you know, a challenge to be trying to run a startup in today's times when you don't have flowing, like cash flowing, but at the same time, if you have a great product, that should be the um, main focus.
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, again, just echoing what, what Jared said, I think the, the idea is that, um, and I've seen this both on both sides, as a, as, a, as, a, as a venture capital attorney representing startups and as an executive, I think really there's the the, the idea is to create that that, that that synergy or, you know, the, the um, the connection between um, one, you know, between resources, really, and that's what I used to, you know, preach to my clients as well. Find that, you know, you utilize your product. You can get a great product. Find that partner out there who doesn't, you know, build, you know, be able to build out something that you both can build together and have that mutual mutuality there. I think, to the extent that there are investors out there, I was, you know, we, I, I, was, I was, talking a few weeks ago about this, and I'll, I'll tie it back to, to sports leagues as well. Um, but you know, you've also got to find the right partners. I think, particularly in sports, people think, "Well, I've got a great product. I'll just go out and find, uh, you know, a partner or an investor, and that person will invest in it." That person also has got to have a background and have some and have some and have some, uh, some, some informational in organizational knowledge of it as well. Like, you know, I think what happens sometimes in sports, people get involved and then they, don't, they learn later what's happening. And I think that if you're able to build that effective partnership now at the beginning and say, hey, look, here's where, you know, here, eyes wide open, here's where the league, you know, here's where the league can do some great things. Here's where we think you can come in and assist. Um, and really have that hard conversation initially. You're going to have people who are going to stick by the the, the the league as well going forward. Sports leagues, you know, generally take time to connect to 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 get off the ground. Just unlike you know, just like startups as well. And you've got to have that kind of that long you know that, that, that approach where you're saying, look, we recognize that there's more of a long-term goal here. We're building out the foundation in a proper way. Our our, rec, our investors and our 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 backers understand that, and they're also. Um, They're also strategically tied to us in a way um, where they understand where we're going and how they can assist us now, they can compliment us. And I think when we can do that, um, I've found that that's, and and, and that's really quite frankly, I don't see that as much in sports, honestly, because I think in sports, most times people say, well, you guys just, you know, you'll figure, we'll just go and watch, we'll see what happens at the end. And there's so many other components to the business, and so many other things that are happening, that it's really critical for them to do it. And usually what happens, um, which is always a little bit disconcerting, is that it happens along the way. Like, oh, Now they've learned something new. And it's like, no, they need to know, recognize what's happening in our industry from the get go. And it's not a hard conversation to have. It's a, it's, I mean, it's not a physically hard conversation to have, but it needs to happen right away. And so I think that connection has to, has to occur early on. And I think I've seen, that's really the kind of the, you know, as I can, I can speak to it on both sides of the fence. And I've represented founders and funds and you know, I've, I've given the same advice and look, Get to know both sides, get to know both sides very well, um, and you'll have a great relationship. Um, I use this phrase all the time as well. I said you can have a, you know, when you do, when that doesn't happen, I said, you know, we'll have a two or three year contract, but you know, could, would you rather have a two or three year contract or would you rather have a 10 year or 15 year relationship? And all those things are set at this initial stage. And I think when you can do that and kind of have those, those crucial conversations at the get at the beginning, um, that's where I think you get the most success. And I think it, it transcends both non-sports startups and non-sports, non-sports entities, and particularly in
0: the sports startup space. And one thing we have in common is, as a starting company, you're, there's two things that have to happen at the same time. You have to be a good storyteller, in that we have to be able to tell people why yes. we're starting a flag yes. football league and a software company for creators, and our product has to sell itself, right? Like, we, if somebody sees our product, they see they have your to, league, or see they proof. see our yep. product, and we aren't there to tell the story, yeah. Absolutely. Is it working? Absolutely. And if both of the like, if one of those hits because you're a great storyteller, but nobody cares about <laughs> the end product, it's not going to work. And if it's your a, product is great, but you can't tell the story well, it's not going to work. So agreed. we're constantly fighting that.
3: Agreed. And that's you know, it, 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 that's a great point. I, you know, one of the things I talk about, you know, in the first year, you know, is making sure with the new leagues, you guys say, look, there's still a, a, the proof, proof of concept stage, and you've got to be able to Jerry's point, you've got to be able to demonstrate this product is one that works. It's great, uh, and yes, I need to also be able to tell you in uh, on an elevator trip. Um, exactly you know what we're trying to do what is our you know what is our core belief what is our mission um and for purposes of that we're fun fast paced uh innovative football so that's you know but ultimately um we have to be able to do that and if we can marry both those together that's the that's the key go for it thomas uh,
2: oh,
1: question. No, it's uh, you. just almost broke my own rule uh so just on that about uh so athletes creators all that kind of stuff uh and then how technology's supporting that so i guess uh, a question for brian as you set up this new league are you looking to do athlete centered kind of narratives around it like is that because that's something that we've seen evolve over over the the kind of history of sports especially the last accelerated the last 10 years as younger fans come in follow an individual person you know a lot of people would know joker couldn't name anyone else on the <laughs> on the nuggets for instance yeah. so it's that kind of focusing on a player focusing on the stories going behind the scenes we've seen it with box-to-box productions and um, drive to survive and all that kind of stuff and is that front of mind um and i guess if so how is technology supporting that and i guess you could you could speak to that as well
3: so it, it definitely is. There's a fine, there's a, there's an interesting dynamic between it, though. I think that, that on one end, we're building out brand affinity for the product itself, the league, the teams, um, and and you can't go, you know, you can't if there's a fulcrum, you can't go one way or the other. You can't be so player centric that when a player leaves, for example, I'm always concerned as a, as a former team president and certainly as a league president. If we build around just the players, right, and all of a sudden the players that player leaves, you know, then what happens is that we lose that fan. So we've got to have a little bit of a balance there. But to your point, I think it's a question of of building out of building out proper content. And the players certainly look—they're the product. You want them to be part of it. And I think if you're able to tell kind of engaging stories about how they've made it, how they've gotten there, and how the league is assisting them in getting there, um, and how the league is being built as they're being built. Those things I think are compelling stories to kind of keep the fan both engaged, both in the, at a macro level, league team level, but also you know engage with the fans as well. We had a great kid in, in Houston named Nick Holly, um, and I think he best embodied what we were, you know, how the league was being built and the XFL 2.0 was being built. Uh, but at the same time, he also extended both our team brand and our and our uh, he he quite frankly through his actions of being present in the community, being at certain things, also was a great. Uh, ambassador for the product. Uh, Mike Harris uh, with the Vipers, you know, 10 years earlier. Uh, same thing. Understood both kind of, both dynamics of it. And I think recently now, your play, the players do recognize that as well. They realize that, you know, kind of all ships rise at the same time. So as I'm building out both my own brand, I'm also building out the team's brand as well. And a team, again, has to be uh, right, uh, cognizant of that as well. And so from a tech standpoint, um, certainly look from a content production standpoint, I think um, tech has really emerged as a a core component, particularly for young leagues, right, to, uh, I I say innovation is the equalizer, right? It allows us to get out front a lot faster and a lot more nimbler. If we do it right, now, that's the key, right, it's got to be done correctly, but if you do it right, you have a great platform in which to both build out both the brand and build out the players, uh, uh, the player as well. Um, One last thing on that, I think that this, it's, I will say this. One of the things that we have to make sure is that our players are our brand ambassadors, um, and that means, you know, doing right by them, making sure that you know those things are. Because, quite frankly, they can be an ambassador for good. They can also be an ambassador for, hey, things aren't happening the way they should be. You know, I didn't like what happened. When the travel was off, and all the logistics and things like that. So, um, we got to make sure we tout that as well for them as well. So.
0: And not gonna wear, they're not wearing helmets, right? They're not wearing helmets. So you have the NBA advantage that exactly. almost any other league does not have. Personality. Uh, right. They can see their faces. Absolutely. Like Drive to Survive is so crucial for F1 because if you weren't a Drive to Survive fan, you don't. they're behind helmets. They're in cars. You don't get to know those characters and personalities. Um, I think it's one of the greatest advantages the NBA has always has. You can see raw athleticism with the least amount of gear yep. and everything. I think that... Uh, you guys will uh, thrive in that space.
3: It, it, gives, us, it gives us that, like, I, I, I use the word personality. I know I'm using it in, in the wrong context, but it makes us personal, I agree. It gives us that, you know, you're not hiding behind, you're not, you're not, I don't say hiding, but you're not You're not in pads or you're not in helmets. So you can see the players, so it does, it, it likens us more to basketball, soccer. And I think that that gives us, hopefully, that, that additional connection, so yeah, absolutely.
0: And you'll see, so in terms of how Tech will uh, really help new upstart the leagues and whatnot and work with athletes, um, we're starting to see the shift where players realize their platforms. Um, if you told a brand you have 500,000 followers um, and they're pretty engaged, they would have a whole team of creators. They'd say, we have our social manager. We have our social analytics person. We have our producer, videographer, photographer. NBA player with 500,000 followers is like, yeah, Steve does some of my social <laughs> stuff. I'm not, you know. Um, and that shift is happening where you're seeing more athletes realize, if I have this audience. Uh, I can... You know, do brand deals on it. I can use it to help build um, everything from merch sales for the team to any of the causes I care about. Um, So I think that that shift is um, fantastic for sort of where our industry is going.
3: Oh, yeah. And you've definitely seen it in the college game with NIL. I mean, if you saw the first, really the ones who really got out front of it were the first ones, were the influencers who already had, you know, they were the first uh, ones to really get the big NIL deals were were athletes, student athletes who already had. Large, in, large followings on, on social media, and they'd already been doing that themselves. And so, yeah, I think that, that's a huge component of, of it now. And, and, and our, you know, these, this current generation of athletes, they recognize that, they recognize how important their own personal brand is. Um, and it's very interesting to watch. It's really kind of exciting to see it, because I think, I felt like 10, 15 years ago, obviously that didn't, that wasn't the case. Um, but now you see kids who are coming out in the prep game, going into college who are acutely aware of what they need to be doing in order to advance. Uh, Advance their own brand, and then, as as Jared said, it, it quite frankly it, it allows us as as leagues and as teams to also you know, sort of piggyback on that as well. They're they're doing a lot more of the work than than we have to as well.
0: Also, think about like how athletes can start using AI tools. I know that sounds like a you wouldn't expect it to happen yet, um, but. The same way that we all think, you know, we can go into ChatGPT runway or mid-journey and say, I want this graphic. Like, if an athlete does want to put something out on social, they have to contractually. Now they can just ask for it, and they don't have to have a whole team of creators doing it. They can say, hey, you know, Greenflyer, one of these uh, products gave me this photo of me from the game. Uh, Put some cool effects on it. Put the score graphic on top. That's all they have to do. It takes, like, they can do that and have unique assets for the social channels that were never available before.
2: I'm going to do a quick time check, if you can help me with that one. Because oh, I'll make sure we get some questions in. Yeah, 10.5. So right, it's perfect. Right on time. Uh, so I wanted to open the floor for questions, but then also wanted to leave these guys with any advice you have. Like so, uh, Brian, you've been working as like a VC attorney working with different tech startups. A lot of those founders are also in the room. Any advice you may have? And then also uh, if both of you can kind of share as you're answering questions, what, are, what things are you working on and working towards? Uh, that you're looking forward to?
3: Well, I'll, I'll start with the advice. I mean, I think just, just you know, build that foundational um, component. And I know that, you know, I it's it's kind of like, kinda like the, the construction of a skyscraper, right? You don't see it, you know, you don't see all the work that's getting done at the ground level, and it takes a long time before you actually see it framed up. Um, but that's really the, the core component. And I say this to all like my, my VC clients as an attorney. I said, look, you know, it's a lot of that heavy lifting that no one's going to see. And we know you have a great product, we know you have a great, Way to, to put it together, um, but a lot of that stuff, a lot of the things that no one's going to see are the things that are going to make or break your product. And I think um, that's the biggest advice I can give: is that you know recognize there's the long-term goal and the great the great component, but also recognize all the stuff that's kind of happening underneath. And so, because um, that generally, to me at least, I've seen kind of in, in second stage. Um, companies, um, you know, they even get out of seed round that, that are, you know, in, in a, and, you know, series A, you know, there's a lot of triage that has to come back and has to be done sometimes because they were so eager to kind of get out there. Then all of a sudden now they've moved to the, what I call the championship rounds, right? And now all of a sudden you've got more sophisticated investors looking at you as well, looking like, hey, what's going on here? And so I always still, like I said, no matter how tedious it may be at the beginning and how it doesn't, it seems like, you know, you're wondering why can't we just get going? You've got to do that work. Um, and so that's, you know, that's the same thing that holds true for for sports league. So what I'm doing right now is that's what we're doing. We're building the foundation. Um, the idea is that we're building a foundation, hopefully, for, you know, for, for long-term success. And so there's a lot of things that are going on that are quite tedious, uh, not nearly as exciting, you know. But ultimately, um, we're building that out so that we can, you know, um, have a great product um, that gets, you know, gets off the ground in year one. Um shows proof of concept in year one, um, and then we continue that modest growth in the next couple of years. And then, ultimately, um, you know, and that's the big thing for sports leagues, they've got to, you know, you've got to continue, you know, there, you know, there's, you know, I'm sure you know, many of you will ask questions, well, what about this, what about these other leagues? And I completely hear you, um, and it's a huge challenge for us to make that, make that happen. But part of it is building that foundational success, so that's what I'm completely laser focused on right now.
0: Um. My number one advice would be uh, put yourself out there and put the company out there at the same time just put put it all out there uh, and I mean that both like vulnerably um, a lot of us in this room that are going through this a lot of the same stuff together probably feel like in front of most people we have to be you know cheery and overconfident and proud of our achievements but inside like the duck it's just Mile a minute of you know how many things can go wrong and how we can all lose it at any moment. Um, so being vulnerable helps, and putting ourselves out there helps when we get to converse with our peers. Um, but putting the product out there is important too. Um, in a, in a college, I wrote a business plan for a class called the Hatchery, where you did uh, entrepreneurial projects. You know that was like the thing for an entrepreneurship major. Um, that was the last business plan I ever wrote. I've started four businesses. Uh, So I don't think that you need to have a formal business plan and everything set up. I think you need to put yourself out there, put the product out there and let people try it. We had been building Gondola for three years as an internal tool and didn't tell anybody about it. And then we hired the right person uh, to handle like social and marketing and stuff like that. We let the world see it. And this like sense of vulnerability of letting people try your product, let them tell you if it's awful or great is like the most important step you need to take. And um, our fake focus now is uh, how to get that same message that we got, like the sports community has been extraordinary. We have creators from every single league, every team um, across the country. How do we tell non-sports creators about what we're trying to do? How do we tell people in different countries because we're so, you know, we have great market saturation here in the States. How do we tell people uh, in Canada, and the UK, and all over? Um, so that's our
2: focus. Uh, Thomas has the mic for any questions that anybody may have for these two uh, gents. How are y'all doing? Um, Hi, Hari with More. Captive Creative. Um, I actually had a question for you, Jarrett, uh, for your creative production company. How have you seen AI kind of affect you know your workflow and some of the things that you've been doing, or just the space in general?
0: Um. Uh, Great question. Uh, I'm obsessed with it because uh, (laughs) I think that what AI has the power to do is, a lot of people think that um, it's going to make all brand new creative. What it really has the opportunity to do is make us more efficient and do really unique things. Uh, So we've done some work using like Runway and Mid Journey and whatnot. Uh, Runway's Gen 1. Allows you to do things with sports highlights that are really awesome. I don't want to talk about it too much because I am trying to like convince a bunch of people to buy this at the same time. Um, you know what? I will talk about it. Uh, <laughs> soccer highlights uh, are something that internationally are really complicated. Uh, if you're a Premier League club, you can't put out a goal um, in real time because you have so many complicated international broadcast restrictions. Uh, versus like the Nuggets can put out a dunk immediately when the NFL gives them the hi- when the NBA gives them the highlight. Um, So you can use Runway to create iterative content on a highlight that is complementary or represents the highlight, but isn't exactly the highlight itself. A lawyer may tell me whether that's a good or bad thing. Um, But that's the kind of thing where we've seen opportunities to market different tools for content creation using AI. And then um, on the contract side of things and on structures like I'll be super honest with you. There's a lot of production companies out there that do exactly what we do, and they're just as good in terms of the deliverables, and uh, they're using the same cameras, using the same editing tools. We're nothing special. We're gonna be known for how we treat people and are our processes tight. So if AI helps us with our processes, that's great. And if it maybe teaches people how to treat people, that'd be great too. Um, But that's a little bit harder to teach.
2: Cool. so um for gondola, um, where do you see um, its impact in like a year or so like what is the, I wouldn't say the end goal, but yeah, what does the future look like for that
0: sure, so the long term future for gondola is there shouldn't be an asset on the internet that you don't know or on social media that you don't know who created it. You should be able to go to any post on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere, and say, "Oh my God, this is amazing, who took this photo and gondola would be the the data source, the way that you think of IMDB or other things like that. Um, but really, we want to, uh, in the next year, focus a lot on jobs and opportunities for hiring. So if you want to hire a social media manager, their resume does not tell the story of how good they are. The content does. So we're launching jobs, and we want to be the way... We are already... like Unofficially, if you ask a lot of the leagues, how do you find creators, they'll say gondola. Um, but we don't even have a job board. So we want to be the number one way that people find creatives um, across uh, industries in the social world.
2: Uh, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I, I've heard kind of a recurring theme in your uh, in your comments and something I'm really uh, interested in is uh, are we kind of moving past this idea of fan engagement and transitioning more to a new era of uh, focusing on fan relationship? Uh,
3: that's a great question. I think that, I'll say this, I think that they're one in the same, all right? I think that, that fan engagement, to me at least, means that the fan is a part of what we're doing, and is engaged, is interacting, has access, has increased access. Um, and so I think that it, it, with that, um, if I'm giving our fans more access, allowing them to have more of a say and feedback, um, they really uh, we are we are enhancing that relationship, and we want that strong relationship because, quite frankly, your fan is going to become your brand ambassador, right? Your 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 number one brand ambassador who goes to someone else and said, "I had a great time at this event, or I saw it. It was really good. You should see it as well." So I need to be able to to uh, we as a, as a as a franchise as a league need to have that. So I think it's I think that they're they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. I think that the engaged fan becomes the one we have a stronger relationship, and hopefully that's the one that continues forward. So that is always going to be our North Star. And it's to, it should, if it isn't for most uh, teams and leagues, I'd be concerned.
2: Any other uh, questions? If not, we'll close the session. Uh, I want to say thanks, Jared and Brian, for uh, being here and kind of That's taking part in this conversation. <laughs>